seconds to go. Jaron dribbles into the front court, drives to the bucket, his shot, no good. Put back up and in by Trayvon Scott. Cincinnati by one. Rose from half court. His yeah! shot is no good. John... The snap, the put down, the swing of the leg. It is on its way. It is good. Cincinnati wins the American Championship. Here comes Bosa. Here comes the quarterback, Pearl. Looking for a block, and he got it up on the front by Hopkins into the end zone. Touchdown. What a skipper. Called his own number and streaks for 23 for a touchdown for Cincinnati. Welcome back. Jesus, what an adventure this is. What happened? What do you mean what happened? Uh, the, the audio failed to work for that entire thing. And I felt like all I could hear was the part that I normally hear that's echoing. It was just that little bitty part. That was all I could hear for the entire intro. But here we are. Apparently we're live. I'm hoping it's all working out. Yeah. I have no idea if audio is working. All I heard the entire intro was just Ed breathing and pouring himself a drink. So we are back. We are live. And we have myself, Aaron Smith. We have Ed Mayhall, Jeff Howell, and special guest this week for our Reds roundtable is none other than Locked On Reds, Clay Snowden. Clay, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you all doing? As long as you're better than what we have going on with our audio, I think we're all doing well. Can you give me a heads up or anything that the, there was nothing playing? I was putting it in the private chat. I don't know what else to do. You were pouring a drink. Oh, there it is. Oh, we're good. Let's go. I don't, I don't, I don't know what else to do here. All right. Shit happens. So, we are off to a wonderful start. So, Clay, we are going to start off with last year, the Reds. We made the playoffs. And I don't think anybody with roughly about, what, three weeks left in the season? Three, four weeks left? I don't think anybody thought we were going to make the playoffs. And yet, somehow we made the playoffs. So... How do you feel the Reds finished the year? Obviously, we had some addition subtractions in the offseason. We'll get to that. But just want to see what your thoughts were on the team last year. Just kind of broad overview. Yeah, they finished strong and kind of backed into the playoffs there. And um, the playoffs last year were obviously expanded. And they were one of the last teams in. And in the first round, they kind of showed it as they were shut out by the Atlanta Braves. Just a much better team. Um Pitching went pretty well in the playoffs. There was just simply no offense whatsoever. Um, it was just one of the more aggravating series to watch as the Reds just couldn't even score a run. Um, and that let, led us into the offseason with a bunch of questions. After a ton of spending last offseason, this offseason looked totally different. And I know that we'll get into that, but it kind of leaves the Reds right now in a strange place in their team life cycle of – do we rebuild? Do we continue? Do we add contracts? Um, I want to stop you there, and I want to you, you talk about some of the frustrations. I think we all saw the video of the frustration that was Trevor Bauer freaking out in the training room after he put it all out there, 
and obviously that is one of the big uh, missing pieces going into this season. But uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, we saw that frustration kind of boil over in him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame him either. I think everyone was frustrated. It was just such a difficult way to end a year. Um, it's almost like it's like torture just getting into the playoffs and then doing absolutely nothing. And then seeing Bauer win the Cy Young and Wall can go to the Dodgers as Jeff just got his Bauer jersey. So, and I'm um, still yeah, but it, it. it's one of those deals that, you know, last season we had higher hopes. They did get into the playoffs, um, even though it was a different format. And now it's just time to kind of reevaluate and see what needs to be added going forward. So, and I, obviously there's some changes to the season this year. But, again, we'll get into that here in a little bit. Um, so do you think that we overachieved, underachieved, or just kind of did what we expected to do with last year's team? I think it's definitely an underachievement. Uh, they had a really good pitching staff, and they brought in some offense that, you know, everyone expected Nick Senzella to take that jump, you know, being a top two pick and a top prospect, and he just couldn't stay healthy, which has been the story of his career. Couldn't really get going. Moustakas on and off with injury. Suarez struggled for the majority of the year. Vado was even benched at one point in time. No one could really seem to get going. And I understand it's a difficult season, COVID, all of that. But bottom line is this team never really seemed to put it all together at once. And in my opinion, they underachieved. I would agree with that wholeheartedly until maybe the run that they went on that got them into the playoffs. Uh, before that, it was it was frustration after frustration every day in and day out. I mean, you had maybe you had a, a really good pitching performance, and you had zero runs put up, and you're not going to win any games if you can't score. Or you know, you had your guys getting the runs you needed, and good starting pitching, and then a bullpen that seemingly was giving up a thousand runs every game. Um, so, I, I mean, it was the majority of the season was, was underachievement with a, a little bit of a very st- what showed what they could be uh, to get into the playoffs. I mean, they they ran a, a pretty decent gauntlet there. I mean, I, I guess they did play the Pirates a couple times in that that uh, <laughs> kind of boosted them along. But like, Love I mean, games. the last couple the last couple series were what the Twins and. Uh, uh, who give me the other? Who else do they play? The the other seat. White the other Sox. Seat. Yes, and the White Sox um, that they they played there that, that were essentially must win series to get into the playoffs. Uh, they do that. They get into the playoffs and then they get fantastic pitching and absolutely no offense. So you gonna you wanna you wanna chirp in here, Ed? You got anything on? You think they overachieved, underachieved? Or are you still tinkering with the audio? <laughs> I just got to take myself off a of mute. Um, yeah, they they underachieved. Thank you. There you have it. Ed Mayhall, ladies and gentlemen. Ed Ed knows a thing or two about underachieving after he tried to eat 12 conies and completely failed. <laughs> it took eight minutes to get into. Thanks a lot, Clay. You took eight minutes of conies. <laughs> 
Seven minutes, 51 seconds, and Clay brings up the code. It would have been sooner if we didn't have that three minutes of intro that nobody could hear. (laughs) (laughs) They will hear it in in the recording, just not online. So that brings me to, obviously, we get bumped out of the playoffs in what... Do you think it was more, uh, I don't know, do you think it was, it was more disappointing than the playoff run we had when we lost immediately to the Giants? I don't, th- I, I actually do think it's, well, no. That playoff was, that team was good. I don't know if last year's Red team, Reds team was, they weren't nearly as good as that team, but I don't I know mean, if they had. Lakers was on that team, so of course it was a good team. <laughs> Matt Latos, yeah, it only took what eight minutes to get to him. <laughs> um, I think that it's just eight different. Took I mean, seconds. The Reds last year had so many struggles throughout the year, and at times they just looked pretty awful. Then at times they could put it together, but I don't think that team had potential that the team that lost to the Giants did at all. I, I never I saw the Reds moving forward in the playoffs. Um, if even if they beat the Braves, I didn't see them you know, winning anything else. They kind of snuck into the playoffs in an expanded year with a team that underachieved. I just didn't really think that there was much going on with that team last year. I think that 2012 team had all the makeup to be a World Series team, and then it just blew up in our face, and I was there, and it hurts me to think about. Thanks, Clay. (laughs) I brought it up. I am in, in in a laundry room. Christina, uh, that's that's where I'm at. Yes, don't judge me. It's fine. It's uh, it's it's a product of divorce. No big deal. So, um, <laughs> we we go into this off season and obviously we lose Bauer, we lose uh, Disclafani, who he went to the Giants, correct? Um. Those are the big losses. I, I think that's uh, Freddie Galvis. If you want to Christian Cologne. I said I said big losses. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Freddie Galvis is gone. He was pretty unremarkable. Um, they didn't really replace him with anybody remarkable, but we'll get to that. D. Scafani was a guy who was kind of up and down, but last year was just a really tough year for him, and he actually got paid this off season a little bit, a lot more money than I thought he would have got. Uh, but he's a guy who, you know, Bauer, we all know, we, we don't need to spend any time going over how great Bauer was. Um, however, I'm really glad that the Reds did not give him a ton of money to come back for multiple years. That's, that would have crippled the Reds going forward, I think. Um, he's a great pitcher, don't get me wrong, but I am so, so, so high on Tyler Malley. And he was extremely good last year, and I just think he's going to step in. No, he's not going to win a Cy Young. But there's other young arms. Hunter Green's coming up, Nick Lodolo, TJ Antone, Michael Lorenzen, all guys in the mix to potentially start this year. I just did not think it was I, – I just was glad that, that the Reds went a different direction than throwing every cent that they have at Trevor Bauer and it having the trickle-down effect of I don't, you know, kind of what the Votto contract has done at times. I, I don't think – if we're being honest, that, that that Bauer even entertained the Reds, I don't think he did. I think, and we I think we we touched on this. Maybe we were not live the last, when we were talking about it the last time, but when when he, 
when he slammed whatever that was in the uh, in the training room after his start in Atlanta, uh, I think that was the nail in the coffin. I, I really do. I don't think he was coming back, uh, regardless of. I mean, even if they matched what the Dodgers were going to give him, or what the Mets were going to give him, or they were never who, matching what the Dodgers or whoever else. I'm just saying, even if they did, I, I don't. I mean, even though he said all all the right things about having the the greatest time of his career here, he was having so much fun here, and he enjoyed all the guys, and he wanted Cy Young, and I, I just. I don't, I don't think he has he had ever... two elite seasons, one good season, and the rest of his seasons have been average or below average. And right. throwing the largest contract at him, I think, at, so. what, 30, 31 years old. So that I, I do want to touch on this by Kevin. This, this is one of my buddies, and he's been waiting to ask this question. And I want to see what you all think about it. Uh, he wrote a little late, but speaking of great pitchers such as Matt Latos, who is a great pitcher, uh, who would you rather build a franchise around, Todd Coffey or David Weathers? Based solely on facial hair, I go Todd Coffey. I'd go Weathers, Stormy Weathers. I liked him a lot, and he pitched during those teams that were just kind of man, those Reds teams, and he was pitching. Was <laughs> Coffey was around that same time too? I don't know. I. Todd Coffey, I know everyone loves the sprinting in from the bullpen. Yeah. I wasn't big on that. <laughs> no? No, just a little too much. He wasn't, like, dominant enough to act like a fool. Like, J- Jared Hughes, act, you know, did the same thing and just out on that. The ostrich? <laughs> Todd Coffey. <laughs> so we also, uh, we also lost <laughs> Rysel Iglesias in the offseason, and... Uh, you know that was. I think that was maybe one of the more underrated losses. Um, the one that people really weren't talking about. We don't exactly know who the closer is going to be this year. Um, we have had you know some additions as well as we get to talking. You know, transition to the additions that we've had. We had um, Doolittle was probably the the biggest addition that they brought in. Um, but I don't know. Why don't you? Fill us in on some of the other guys that the Reds added this year. Um, so, sure. On the 40-man roster, which is players who can pretty much come and go from the team a lot easier than the non-roster invitees, Doolittle, who you touched on, he's going to be brought in. I like that addition. Um, a veteran who's been a proven, really, really good pitcher. Um no, he had, the past two years have not been his best work, but if you look beyond that, I mean, you don't usually see relievers with as much consistency as he has had. So I like that. Comparing him with Amir Garrett as the two lefties is a lot better than what we've had in the past couple of years when your Cody Reeds of the Worlds are trying to come in and be that second lefty in the bullpen. Um, Jeff Hoffman was acquired in a trade. He's a guy who was traded for Robert Stevenson. Both former top prospects, both need a change of scenery. Um, both have not li- lived up to their prospect build. But, you know, they thought, why not take a chance on Jeff Hoffman? He's a guy who can start, be a long guy. He can really do a few different things. So getting him in the building and working with the pitching staff, they're going to see if they can bring out what everyone once thought that he could be. That That's going to be an interesting one for me to watch. Um, the Perez brothers... They're not actually brothers, but they're both pitchers who are going to potentially factor in and 
not a lot of MLB experience there, but more or less just some guys. I'm just you going through the I list here. You say that, and I immediately think of the Bash Brothers from the Mighty Ducks. Just not the same thing. <laughs> he said no, I immediately okay. thought we actually had brothers on the team. So thanks a lot. <laughs> Nelly Ramirez is the guy that we got back with the Iglesias trade. Pretty solid pitcher. Um, about league average, a little bit better maybe. Not a young guy or anything, but it's another guy. I feel like the Reds just brought in a lot of guys who could make an impact, but not a ton of proven guys. Doolittle's the most proven of the bunch. They have a lot of lottery tickets on this team right now, and hopefully you just need a couple of them to cash in. Um, but one guy who I really like, who's actually been in the organization is Ryan Hendricks. He's kind of like a TJ Anton, which nobody really knew of him. Like no one knew of TJ really. He's just, uh, um, not exactly the top prospect type, but has just nasty stuff and has pitched well in the minors. I mean, every single level. And he's somebody who could be kind of a long shot, keep, keep a name on, um, Keep, keep an eye out on uh, for spring training, Ryan Hendricks as well. So, what was the what was the pitcher that we got from Arizona last year, late in the Archie year? Bradley? So, yeah. do you see Bradley or Doolittle as the the better fit for Cincinnati? I mean, do you think we upgraded by you know cutting ties with Bradley? And, and I think Archie Bradley is a really good pitcher. And I wanted the Reds to bring him back. He pitched well in a very short amount of time with the Reds. Um, why he wasn't brought back, maybe it's just money. I don't know. But then they Solid gave him beard. Money. Yeah. So I don't know uh, exactly what happened there. But I don't think that you can ever have too many good le- lefties in the bullpen, especially yeah. with a guy with a, tra- a track record like Sean Doolittle. I mean, it was it was around the same time that they, they you know, didn't bring back uh, Brian Goodwin and uh, uh, and uh, Archie Bradley. That the front office made like the only statement they made all season, which was that they were going to go get a shortstop, and they needed to free up some money to go get a shortstop. And how that worked out for us? They didn't. And Kyle Holder. That's the name of the shortstop that was acquired by the Cincinnati Reds, well, a Rule 5 draftee with a total of zero plate appearances in his MLB career. Correct. Right. So he's a glove first guy. And then, and then you know, you still got Kyle Farmer here, who I think better serves the team as a utility guy that can jump in anywhere. But if that's who they're going to use, he, I mean, he does have you know the defensive chops. Uh, he he certainly needs to improve at the plate. Um, he said that he reworked his swing in the off season and apparently did so with the Pirates hitting coach uh, instead of somebody in the organization. But I guess that's not all too uncommon to go outside. Maybe he's got some kind of relationship with him. I don't know. Um, and then they they talked to D. Strange Gordon uh, at some point here in the last couple of days, and he said, "I'm a shortstop." Oh, so yeah, so am I. So about the shortstop situation, um, I don't think D. Strange Gordon. I wrote an article today about him or about all of the non-roster invitees. I don't think he's an impact player at shortstop whatsoever. He's a bad defensive player. He can't get on base. He has no power. He has a little bit of speed, but it's tough to use that when you can't get on base. 
really I don't think he'll be much of a factor at all in 2021. Um, a lot of people have asked about Blandino or mentioned Blandino. I don't think... See, he's the one that's like, I keep questioning myself because I don't see him as a player that will make much of an impact. The thing with Blandino that I don't understand is why has he been on the Reds 40-man for so long without getting many opportunities? I don't know if the Reds see something that we don't. I just don't think Blandino is... he He just doesn't bring that much. And defensively, he came up as a shortstop and he wasn't great. He moved to third base. Now he's more or less a second baseman only. Then again, we're talking about Kyle Farmer, who's pretty much not a shortstop. Was in college, more of a catcher, utility guy. Um, I like Farmer. I like him more as a bench bat than a everyday shortstop. Um, but right now, I mean, the Kyle Holders, the Kyle Farmers, the D. Strange Gordons, the Alex Blandinas of the world's. Those are not players that are going to be anchoring your defense at shortstop for good playoff teams. Yeah, it's it's been – I mean, and your buddy Doug Gray says that they're not looking at, you know, uh, Suarez moving over to shortstop. As he was taking was. balls at shortstop yesterday. Well, I mean, he could be doing that as part of the shift. Right, too. I get it. Let's be real. But, I mean, you have – some guys who have played shortstop in their past as they were coming up in both Suarez and Senzel. So is there any shot that we see either of them slide into that shortstop spot at any point this year? No, I don't think so. Um, I don't think that Suarez has the range and it's not necessary. You know, whenever you do something like that and you take a player from their main position that they would be starting at and change them to another position, the domino effect isn't always positive. All because you potentially get better at shortstop. Well, now third base is a hole. So you're going to move Moose to third, then who had second? You're going to move Senzel at second, well, then who had center? Shogo. Well, you know, there's a domino effect. And, if and then D. Strange Gordon in the outfield. Yeah. And I also don't think Senzel's a shortstop. He's tried there a few years back in the minors and in spring training. And I don't think it went well. I'd rather see if they're going to move him again, which I really doubt that they will. I think they'll just stick him in center and let, let him stay there and give him a chance to actually develop instead of moving him around. I would just say they should move him back to second if they ever want to move him again. So then why uh, do you move Shogo? Do you do you have him starting every day, or is he still platooning? I love Shogo, and the no DH thing is another trickle-down effect of Jesse Winker playing now. What does Shogo do? Okay, Shogo's going to be playing against righties, I think, um, and Senzel will play against lefties. That's the most likely scenario that I see. Also, it's David, not that uncommon to see kind of a rotation of four outfielders and kind of everyone, you know, get, getting days off pretty common. And um, we know that David Bell likes to make in-game substitutions too. We saw that all year long last year. The old double switch will be coming back in full force. And let me tell you, there's, you know, a group of people on Twitter who would rather watch pitchers strike out 300 times a year so that the four times a year they get to see a double switch, they can enjoy that. And they're wrong. They are absolutely wrong. They are so wrong. And let me tell you, I, I was of the mindset that I did not want the universal DH. I didn't want it. I didn't like it. I, I was set in my ways, and this is how it should be. 
after last year, I've changed my mind. I don't it, ever want to see a pitcher swing a bat again unless his name is Michael Lorenzen. Unless his name is Michael Lorenzen and he's pinch hitting with probably the biggest arms of anyone in all of baseball. Yeah, uh, pe people love to make the argument, oh, uh, well, how about Michael Lorenzen? Okay, Michael Lorenzen's a below-average MLB hitter. All because he's Absolutely. an above-average pitcher does not make it better. It just makes it interesting. It's true. It's very true. Although I, I think that if he gave up pitching and started playing in the outfield 100%, that he could probably become <laughs> a, a decent a major league hitter. Yeah, and then we'd lose a really good pitcher. No, absolutely. <laughs> so, like, you wouldn't, I mean, you, you don't do that. You know, right. Not, but, by the way, did you see the picture that they tweeted out of him? His, yeah, arm no, is, his arms are enormous, like, even bigger than last year. That's what mine looked like. No, they don't, Ed. <laughs> you don't know what I've been doing during the pandemic. I got that Peloton. <laughs> Okay. I think I think his is a pillow ton. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> is Jeff choking? Nailed it. <laughs> so you you brought up you know some of the rule changes in the the fact that the the universal DH is gone, but um, are what I know they they brought back the pinch runner on second base. What are the the rule changes going forward with the playoffs? Um, I don't – okay, so first off, I want to make it very clear, and I have on Twitter that I absolutely hate any idea of a pitcher hitting, and there are zero circumstances where I care about somebody enjoying the strategy. You know what strategy would be awesome? You may not have to put yourself in that strategy if you had a DH and you wouldn't be down by three runs in the seventh, maybe. But what about, but a, regardless, solid, what about a solid bunt? <laughs> A little, a little sacrifice dribbler on the hardest swing of Johnny Cueto's career. That's all I can think about when I think of pitchers hitting. But, yeah, um, the, set, the runner starting on second, I know a lot of people are really um, opinionated about rule changes, and obviously I am with the DH one, but I just don't care about this. I don't know why. I just simply don't. Like, I don't care either way. I could not care less if there's a runner on second. Sure, it's, it's fun. I don't. You know, I don't get up in arms about it. Um, the seven-inning doubleheaders, I actually love those. Love I think those. those are fun. Fantastic. I think I it's so it. much fun to watch those doubleheaders in the, you know, the strategy nerds out there, That that's great strategy. The, you know, you're playing 14 innings. How are you going to use them? Um, so I like those. So, yeah, that, that's where I stand on the rule changes. We got another question out here. Uh, Evan brings up the pinch hitter, which leads me to my next question, and this is from Kevin. Bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, down two runs. Who would you rather have at the dish, Cozart or Bronson Arroyo? <laughs> I'm going Bronson. Well, hang on. Is it is it Cozart when he was here, or is it Cozart now? Is it Bronson when he was here? Wait a minute. Is it, is it Bronson? Is it, is it Bronson uh, Braids? <laughs> or, or Bronson, Bronson, no braids. Did he have a JTM brought right beforehand? Ew. <laughs> Question I have. Give me 
Cozart, unless it's early in his career, Cozart, when he would just pop up to the infield every single at bat. Does he own a donkey yet in this yeah, scenario? I was going to say, give me donkey Cozart. <laughs> Shrek, Shrek, I'm a donkey, Shrek. That's a terrible impression. Okay, all right, I tried. Tuck that one away. We won't use that one anymore. Um, there was a question. No uh, braids. From, from Evan, uh, do you think the uh, current Reds players hold any contempt for the front office? And while you don't have to actually answer necessarily that exact question, um, what, I, what do you think the fans should be feeling right now for the front office? What do you think the players, especially one Joey Votto, who is the face of this franchise, has been here the longest, and he's literally begging them to put a championship roster together because he wants to win here, and just disappointment year after year. It is. It's it's hard. Um, baseball is so different than other sports without the salary cap and without kind of forced player movement and forced spending. Um, and whenever I talk about salary cap, I understand salary cap also means salary floor. It's more or less a salary range. Um, so without that, you know, you have teams that are cheap. I mean, look at the Pirates right now. Their entire payroll is less than what Trevor Bauer's making this year alone. Go ahead, Jeff. But look at what the the Rockies did, like paying uh, the Cardinals to take the, their it, best player off their. So a, a a cool scenario about that: the Rockies paid the Cardinals fifty million to take Nolan, and if he blows up this year, wins MVP, he can opt out of the contract, which means the Cardinals will be paid fifty million. They will only have to pay the thirty-four million of his salary, and then he can opt out. So they don't even—they're not even on the hook. So they can get paid fifty million to have an MVP. That's—it's wild. They can make money off of it. Dude, the, the, I don't know what's going on in Colorado, but well, hopefully I mean, we can get Trevor Story out of it. Whoops. You would think. Pay us. You would to think take him. Pay, pay us to take Trevor Story. It's fine. Clay, let me ask you this: If. We, let's say when the Reds made the uh, the statement that they were going to go out and get an impact shortstop or you know an everyday shortstop, who of those that were available did you think they were going to go after? I honestly did not think that they would get one at all. I I just I've seen this too many times. I've read this book, you know, and. I thought the most likely would just be a free agent. Um, and then when we saw how much they were paying those, like, I don't think DD's that great. It would have been a cool story, and he would have been better. Okay, he would have been better than what we have right now, but the money that DD got paid, no. And then when it came to trade targets, um, I'm blanking on his name, uh, shortstop for the Rays. Oh, uh, Okay. Oh my gosh! Either way, that's who I wanted them to get. Um, that didn't happen. Trevor's story is obviously an upgrade. His splits from home and road are Willie Ademis. Yes, Ademis. And his road and home splits are concerning, but you know that's one of those things. Like, okay, well, look at the splits between a Kyle Farmer versus a Trevor Story. Like, you still need to get better. It just depends on. Those type of trades, like, I'm not going to just say, yeah, go get them, because it all depends on what the return is. I don't want to give the farm up for one year of Trevor's story. Oh, really a dumbass. Thank you. I had, I had no idea what was happening. This is, 
this is excellent for anybody listening on the uh, on the audio portion. Uh, Ed decided to just interrupt everything and throw the Google search for Tampa Bay's shortstop. I'm really just trying to get production. I'm sorry. You got it. No, it's it's good for the people on YouTube and the people watching. We just have to you have to talk while you're doing this and say, "Hey, here it is." I said that way. Said. That way, the people who are engaged. Okay. But that does not necessarily. I, I want to backtrack a little bit. Thanks, Ed. But you're welcome. Um, <laughs> that does not leave the Reds out of Trevor's story. Technically, I mean, the Rockies probably aren't going to be very good. He's on the last year of a contract. We all know the trade deadline, how that works. Again, it just depends on what they give up for him. Um, you shouldn't agree to, you know, as a fan or anybody who's looked, that they, they, you shouldn't just say, yeah, go get him without knowing what's going to be, you know, traded for him. You also don't I mean, know let, let's going to be in contention at that let, point. Let's say, right. let, let's say July comes around and, and the Reds are in it. And they're you know the offense isn't having a historically horrible season like they did last year, and they're playing more to the back of the baseball card. Not likely. Let's say that it's happening, and it's a hypothetical question. And who do you give up to say pick up? Uh, I mean, is, is that an impact? Like if everything's working and they are going, yeah, they're looking good, and maybe they got a shot is going out to get a shortstop at the trade deadline something that is impactful enough that you give up you know a few guys to maybe get like a a, a trevor story who's probably going to be a rental player for you know the last three months of the season to to make a run at it yeah once again it just depends on the return it also depends on jose garcia i mean he is a good player. He yeah. was not put in a position to succeed. At what point, you know, he's, what, 22 years old, and he's never hit above high A. They threw him out there because they didn't have any other option. And I actually like that the Reds did it. They tried something that they never tried. And guess what? It didn't work. It's okay. It's been 67 at-bats for him. Let him develop in Triple A, Double A, wherever you start him. What if he's hitting the cover off the ball? You know, what if they want to bring him up and he is that quote-unquote trade line addition or, or trade deadline addition um, to, to the team? You know, you just want, don't want to rule it out. It's so hard, you know, sitting here at the end of February before spring training and trying to predict where all these things will go. Um, yeah. But you never know. And there's always players, the scooters of the world, that at the end of spring training get dropped other teams are going to try to pick them up. You never know who may get dropped. And, you know, you, you can make a solid uh, addition at the end of spring training, too. Well, and even when we brought in Freddie Galvis, not that Freddie Galvis was really the answer to any questions particularly, but, you know, I mean, that was a guy who he played to his baseball card. I mean, let's be real. But he just, I mean, we no one saw that move even coming when it happened. So. Yeah. They, they, they tried to find the, the lightning in a bottle that they did with the scooter. And it just wasn't, it wasn't. Ed, will you bring back up that question about a rebuild or the last question you had up? Are the Reds going to try for a shortstop at the deadline, even if we ain't looking so hot in terms of rankings, or would it be the start of another rebuild? More of wondering when the next rebuild is, and that comes to you from Evan. So what I wanted 
First off, thanks, Evan. And what I wanted to go over is the rebuild part of that question because we've already touched on the shortstop. The rebuild part is the Reds. Um, I use this term, and a lot of people use it. Um, it's called team life cycle. It's kind of where your team is. It has to do with age, contracts, and prospects all combined. The Reds' team life cycle is supposed to be in the trajectory going up because they just rebuild, you know, they signed free agents. But <laughs> those free agents they signed were not the youngest free agents. Moustakas is not young. This team's getting old pretty fast, and their team life cycle is about to end. They're in the win-now portion of the life cycle, even though they may not have the best team to win now. The rebuild, the other rebuild, could be right around the corner, as bad as that sounds. The Reds don't have the most stacked farm system. But the thing is, with a rebuild, you have to, the whole point is to get return on your players, right? Well, I'll tell you right now, no one's trading for Moustakis right now with $16 million, a four year contract, three years left. And, uh, you know, what, what are you going to get for a 33, 34 year old Mike Moustakis right now? Middle prospects to lower end prospects in the top 30s of teams. That's not really going to accelerate or be attractive for a rebuild. Um, Suarez is a piece that they could trade. But then it's like, okay, who do you replace him with? Jonathan India? I'm not super high on Jonathan India. I know others are. Um, the Reds don't have all these top-notch prospects beating down the door where you could say, oh, they're two years away. Let's trade a couple of these top guys. I just don't think that the return on these top guys are nearly as great as many fans would think it is. It's not like the NFL or NBA or hockey or whatever. It's a totally different game. Um, and trades, you know, as we saw, I mean, we, we've seen big players get traded for next to nothing. It's just a money thing at this point. Um, and the Reds really, I mean, you got Votto's contract that's not going anywhere. You're not going to be able to trade him either. That um, brings up another question, though, with with Votto's contract. I mean, I, I he, he always talks about, like, I don't want to come back here as just another, like, he just said it the other day. I don't want to come back here as a former player. Like, I want to come back to be like, oh, yeah, like, I'm celebrating, you know, the so-and-so anniversary of our World Series win. It is restructuring his contract something that is even, like, a, you know, a possibility at this point with how deep they are into it? No, it wouldn't be... I don't see the advantage. To, so every contract restructure, this happens all the time in the NFL. And the way it works is you take a player with two years left on a contract at $10 million each year, and you say, we'll give you more guaranteed money up front. Your cap hit's going to go from $10 million to $6 million, but we're going to tack on a year or two of a contract. I don't think the Reds want to tack on more years on Joey Votto's contract. It's nothing about Joey Votto. I mean, Joey Votto is getting up there in age. You don't want no, players no. up track for I'm, I'm referring to more of like the uh you know bobby bonilla we'll pay you later <laughs> we'll pay you for 74 more years <laughs> <laughs> but, but just a little bit each year yeah um i think and i know it's it's a tough pill to swallow but i think the you know the joey Votto contract it's just gonna play out and it's gonna be it could get kind of ugly this happened to ryan howard in Philly, you know, he was a good player for the Phillies and 
signed this monster contract, declined pretty fast, and you know, ended up leaving a sour taste in everyone's mouth. And you can see that on Twitter with Reds fans are getting kind of tired of Joey Votto at times. And this isn't me saying anything bad about Joey Votto. I'm just, you know, we all see it on Twitter where fans are tired of it. It doesn't match the contract, whatever. That's what you have to do. You think, you know, all the, you know, these players sign these long contracts because they want term. A lot of them do. You know the back end of that contract is going to bite you, but that's the only way that you can sign them for some players. You know, and Joey Votto, no one thought, oh, yeah, Joey Votto is going to be producing at an MVP level when he's 40 years old. I mean, that's just not – but you signed that contract because that's what they had to do to get Joey Votto to be a Red in 2010 or whenever it was. Yeah, That's what needed to be done. You see this in other sports, especially hockey, where the the player wants term, so you know it's going to bite you later on. But at that point, you're trying to win right then. 2010, 2012, Reds were trying to win right then. And you know that contract's going to suck down the road, but you don't care because if they were to win, no one would really care too much. It's, oh, that's the cost of winning. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So, we, I mean, is there anything else you want to touch on as far as the, uh, the off season here before we get into what to look for with the upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the off season additions there weren't any huge ones. I wrote an article today for Locked On Reds um, about the non roster players. I don't want to spend too much time right now with that. Anyone who wants to can just read the article on my on my Twitter account. But there are some non roster players that I do like, and I think, and I've been saying it all off season. Outfield depth it's a, is a sneaky, sneaky need for this team. I just – it is a shameless plug. Um, I do it all the time. It's fine. It's not shameless. Not shameless I at all. I think that the outfield de- depth of this team going into the offseason, I'm not a big believer in Aquino. I, I've seen too much bad Aquino and so little good Aquino. So oh, one there, month. But it was good Aquino. It was amazing, and everyone should enjoy it, but no one should expect it. I just go back. I, I like to go back and watch the highlight tapes of that that are on like YouTube, like the compilations, because it, it was sh- a short enough period of time that they can do that. They put a compilation together, yeah. and you just watch the Punisher just hitting balls to the fucking moon. The yeah. child boy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But the, no. this team's outfield, I mean, you're talking about Mark Payton, um, who's played well in 2019 in AAA. He was incredible, but a Rule 5 guy. Um, they brought in some other outfielders that are just underwhelming. Um, Tyler Naquin's a guy they brought in as a non-roster that I'm higher on than most people. And it's not that I think he's incredible. I just think that his floor is higher than the other players. He's a lefty bat. Plenty of experience with the Indians, um, so there are. A, they brought in some non-roster guys that are outfielders that I like. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a sneaky need for this team. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about the offseason too, though, is uh, just with everything that we've seen. Like, I mean, do, is there reason to have hope going forward before we get into like the nuts and bolts of everything that they've done? I mean, I know we've talked about some of the additions. But, it, I mean, is it enough to – there's people predicting us at, at fourth in the division. And that's, yeah. That's awful. So, 
I know that, you know, last year, as everyone will keep telling you, it's a weird year, yada, 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 whatever. Let's look at the facts. Suarez had a really down year after a humongous year. It's almost, in my opinion, impossible for him to come back and hit 202 again. He's going to be better. I think that the shortstop position is still a huge need, obviously, um, but it's not like somebody can't break out there. It's not like, you know, Farmer, I I mean, I'm not going to be put on record saying I think he's going to break out or anything like that, but I think Moustakas has a better year. He had a down year. Um, Castellanos? Yeah, he has to have a better year. If you can just get Sinzel healthy, and I'm, I'm not a big Nick Sinzel believer like most are, um, but I know he's better than what we saw last year. I know that for sure. We saw how good Shogo was the last month after he adjusted. A lot of people don't understand how long it takes these players who come over from Japan to adjust. I mean, a full season of at-bats, he came in first couple months, was only hitting against righties and pinch hitting and barely getting used. And, he, you know, 60-game season, he played in you know, 42 games or whatever. Or I don't know the exact number, but – I mean, his learning curve was going to be large, and they didn't help it by not giving them many at-bats in the beginning. He's going to be a good player. I guarantee that. Um, so I think that the offense is going to be better just by the law of averages. They're going to, you know, they almost all had a pretty down year last year, and Tyler Stevenson will be getting plenty of at-bats as well. Uh, Tyler Stevenson. He's, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be up and have have to play now with the uh, with the loss of uh, Casale. So, yeah, and that's one of those deals. Kurt Casale, really good backup catcher, always seemed to you know step up when he needed to be. I loved Kurt, Kurt Casale, but just older player. Stevenson was ready to go. Um, you know, probably best for both parties that he left, and now Tucker will be in a position to. Uh, kind of split at bats, I think, and maybe Stevenson takes over halfway through the year. I don't know. Um, but having Tucker on this roster is important. And I really think, myself included at times, think too low of Tucker Barnhart. He's a really good defensive catcher. And at times, he has shown you know that he can hit sometimes. I'm not saying he's a great offensive catcher, but he's not here for the offense. And having a player like Tyler Stevenson, who wasn't the most polished defensive catcher, having him work with Tucker Barnhart every day is going to be huge for his development going forward. I mean, let's let's go back and talk about who Tyler Stevenson threw out for his first uh, We're gonna get to a whole segment caught on the stealing. Catchers. We're going to get to a whole segment on the catchers, I promise. You promise? I promise. I'm just talking about Tyler Stevenson throwing out Billy Hamilton. <laughs> We're in Chicago, segment on, and then the staring catcher. him down, and I loved it. So, one last thing about the offseason that I want to touch on as we get ready to break down the different position areas on the team. Um, we saw some craziness come out of Seattle just yesterday in that there was an, a, an executive, uh, I believe it was the, the, what was the vice president or something. Some crazy. I think I missed this. So, he's out here on a zoom call doesn't realize that he's being recorded and he's making some crazy comments and one of the comments he made because i don't want to get into too much of the nuts and bolts of what he actually said because a lot of it was just um some of it was racial undertones some of it was just not good 
Uh, I, I believe he's been fired. But uh, one of the things he brought up is, has, is something that's been whispered about but has never really come to the forefront out of an actual executive's mouth is the fact that this whole... Service time manipulation? Scheming for service time, exactly. And so it's it's been whispered about, but now we're actually hearing that they are scheming to make sure that certain guys looking at... I mean, Chris... Chris uh, with the Cubs, Chris, the third baseman. Bryant? Yes, Chris Bryant was one. Nick Senzel was one. Um, and those are those are guys that were super hyped by their organization and just got hosed by this garbage-ass rule that you set them for the first, what, 14, 21 days, and it doesn't count as a full year, which is completely terrible. Baseball should actually be ashamed by this rule because it does nothing but hurt the actual players. The players union should also be ashamed because – I mean, how do you even agree that this is okay for the people that you represent? But what did, what were your thoughts as far as this coming to the forefront and being something that is not a whisper anymore? I think the whole thing with that rule is the players' union should never have allowed that to ever be a thing. And in defense of the owners, I know it sucks, and I can't believe I just said that, but they're not breaking any rules. They're taking advantage of a situation that is beneficial to their company and team in terms of money. I get that. I don't know if it's beneficial to the team in terms of performance, but it's not like they're breaking any rules. It sucks and it's stupid and I want it gone, but you know, they're taking advantage of a stupid rule that somehow the players union did not change the players union. I mean, that's going to be a mess. Was the next off season when they have to, the, the collective bargaining agreement there's a two years it, it's, it's it's certainly soon um, yeah that's gonna be a mess and we could be looking at another you know lockout or whatever so um, yeah but the, the the manipulation of the playing time is just one of those things that's just part of the game that's not going to go anywhere we can get mad about it all we want until the rule changes the owners are going to take advantage of it. That's just the bottom line. Um, you see it every year, and everyone acts surprised by it, and I don't know why. I mean, that's just you save them for, what, 17 games or whatever, and then you get a whole you know, huge advantage at the back end of, of their arbitration. I mean, why would they not do it? I know it sounds ridiculous. I'm not trying to like defend them, but it makes sense why they do it. Until it's changed, I just don't know why people still get upset about it. Like, like it's some new thing they've never heard of. The current the current collective bargaining agreement expires December first of this year. So, well, I I for one hope for the players that that rule is gone. Like, just so basically off. going in going into winter meetings, the I mean, collective bargaining agreement is going to expire. Where, I don't know where you where you cut the line as far as what counts as a full year, what doesn't. But I feel like you know, that 17 games is enough for a team to say, you know what, no, we're not doing it yet. Because at 17 games, you've seen injuries happen. You've seen some, some wild things happen to where you could potentially bring a guy up. But even still, they refuse to do it because, God forbid, you bring a guy up and let him start getting some actual, you know, time up here in the bigs. So it's just, I don't know, it, it doesn't really help anybody. And I just think it, it hurts the game. It hurts the players. It's terrible. But he keeps money in the owner's back pocket, and that's what they care about. Well, and Johnny Thin Wallet here in Cincinnati, which oh, is uh, one don't of even Bob, get me Bob started. Castellini, who, 
I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna build championship teams. Get out of here, man. Dude, that's I don't know. My TikTok. I, I don't agree. No, you are not. I, I don't. I mean, he he flat out said when he bought the team that if like winning wasn't occurring, that it was unacceptable, and it's it's been a feast or famine. And it's honestly, famine. and I've said this before on Twitter. You know, it's it's literally the worst thing that can happen to a sports franchise is a bad owner. GMs get fired and moved on and retire, and you know, players if you have a bad contract, they'll retire after a while or get traded. Coaches, blah blah blah. Owners have to pretty much die to have a new owner. And that's when teams can really, I mean, seriously destroy a team as if you have a bad owner and they're there for, you know, 50 years. When I when I tweeted about it, Clay was supposed to come to my rescue and he <laughs> he did not. What did I do? Uh, I, I don't know if I can have the tweet, but I tweeted something about it. And you were like, no, that's that's right. It's all bad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You you asked me to give you some like hope or something. Yes. I was like, nah, we there's have a no bad hope. owner. Just there, ride no it hope. out. Yeah, just de just deal with it. That's what you you basically said. I didn't I didn't like that answer, Clay. So, and I can't pick. I'm I'm too old to pick a new team. So yeah, I'm here forever. You t t if you move, I think you get to you have a, like a, a window where you can adopt the team for the city that you move to. I don't think I, I think I'm too old for that. Even I'd just be a, a transplant. But so, like I said, we're gonna do a, a position by position breakdown here. So I want to start with the rotation. What we have to look forward to this year with the rotation, the guys coming back. We got, uh, you know, we got Luis Castillo coming back. We've got Tyler Malley coming back. We've got Sunny um, Gray. Sunny Gray coming back. Um, some guys. Potentially, who could be looking to crack that uh, rotation in uh, TJ uh, T Anton Anton? I, I wasn't sure how to. TJ Anton. I've saved him out of a bunch of uh, situations in MLB the show. All right. Um, you also have Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green looking to crack that rotation. You got Michael Lorenzen looking to crack I was gonna that. I was going to say rotation. Lorenzen. You... Um, and then you got, you know. Some some guys, Wade Wade Miley, um, you know, who's he's saying he's in better condition than he's been in the last couple of years with some of the rehab stuff that he's been doing. We'll see. Um, I'm pretty sure you, Clay said that Wade Miley was his dark horse Cy Young candidate. So close. He was my bounce back candidate this year, but I do want to talk about Wade Miley, <laughs> believe it or not. He is a career league average pitcher. Last year he was terrible if he even bounces back to what we all have seen in his career that's a pretty decent fit guy to have honestly um a lefty in the rotation a veteran who's been there before you can at least hold the spot until one of lodolo or hunter green who i think both start in the minors maybe they come up midway through the year and, re and replace him not a big deal um i think the top three of gray Castillo and Wade or Tyler Malley is just going to be awesome. Tyler Malley, like I said before, I think he's probably the player I'm most excited about this year out of the entire roster. I just love what he did last year. All of his advanced analytics look great. He's just a guy who's just poised and ready to go, and he's grasping a role now. I feel like in the past, when he was brought up, he was kind of a starter, wasn't an every fifth day type guy. 
bounced around a little bit, was put in the bullpen and whatnot. Now he's going to have a legitimate role as a number three starter. Um, Jeff Hoffman's a guy who can still, I guess, crack the rotation. Um, TJ Antone and Michael Lorenzen are two guys that were in the bullpen last year, both extremely good. Obviously, Antone was actually a starter the most of his career in the minors, so I would love to see him start. Um, well, and Lor- speaking of it- TJ, well, before you move on, speaking of TJ, did you see what he was tweeting out? I don't know if it was today or yesterday, where he was saying that essentially Cincinnati is a place that he hears that players really want to be due to all the advanced analytics and, and work that they're putting in there. You know, there's something to this whole Spincinnati thing. that they. Yeah, he was. it was kind of funny. He kind of shit on the Reds. He was kind of like, when I was drafted here a few years ago, it was nothing like this. I was like, oh, great. Yeah, we we sucked. Our front office and everything sucked. But um, Yeah, he's a guy who I really think – now, of course, it was only like 30-some-odd innings last year. Um, so I don't want people to think he's the next Cy Young w- winner for the Reds or anything, but he looked so damn good. And uh, I think that he could easily get you know w- w- one of those four or five spots – but we're, we are already talking about this crowded rotation now, which is a great problem to have. Um, Lorenzen always wanted to come back and be a starter. Even when he first got bumped to the bullpen years ago, he had mentioned it and worked on it in spring training. And um, I think it would be great to at least, you know, give him the shot. But it's good to have this many legitimate arms. And another guy we haven't talked about is Jose De, De Leon, who – Pitched out of the bullpen a little bit last year. Former top prospect. Had some injuries. Was really bad last year in his, what, one or two games? Like, really bad. Really but this, very bad. Yeah, like, this offseason. Like, like me on the mound trying it, to throw a professional hitter. He, he was pitching in the winter leagues this offseason and was lights out. And everything that I've heard, all, all of the reports from this offseason is that he is dialed in and just looks like a different pitcher's added velocity and so he's definitely got to keep an eye on as well. So it's it's great that we have this many options after losing a Cy Young winner. I will say that I read that uh, that Hunter Green said he was back up to hitting 102 again. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess his I guess his arm is fully fully back. People forget how young Hunter Green is. He's still because like, it I, seems I, like he's I, been he's around still, for 34 years already. And he's he's like what 19 20? 20. I think he's 21 years old. Which he would be the youngest player on the Reds by like two or three years if he were to play for the Reds this year. So let's everyone just remember he's coming off of Tommy John surgery, lost all of last year in terms of actual games that he could have played in. So it's really been two years since he's played in a game. He's not going to crack the rotation out of spring. I mean, very little chance. But he's definitely a guy who, let's say the Reds are good. <laughs> Let's just pretend that the runs are good and they have an injury or he's tearing it up in the minors. He could easily be called up and be like how David Price was called up for the Rays, even if he fits into a bullpen role even. I don't know. It just depends. But I would love to see him in a Reds uniform. I uh, found that tweet. So are you going to call it right now? Is Hunter Green going to be up before the trade deadline? No. No. Nick Lodola would be the first call up, I think, of the big prospects. Like bar, barring a catastrophic string of injuries, Hunter Green is not up before. I the... think Hunter Green will spend. He's a guy like a. I just don't see him being up 
that early. He's more of a late season call up, I think a September type move. Will, will he be in Louisville all year or do you think he'll be I don't actually know where he will start. That that's a really good question. I'm terrible at predicting those things. And it all actually kind of just depends on um kind of where like some you know, especially if you have some some of these like veteran starters in triple A, he could be pitching in double A, but I don't read too much into that in terms of you know, if if he ends up in double A, is he for, is he not as far as long as if he ends up in triple A? I don't I don't read too much into that. I found that tweet from TJ Antone. Uh, Doug Gray retweeted it not too long ago. Can we put it up there? Yeah. What did yeah. he say? I get it up there. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. May take four minutes. Oh man. <laughs> is there is there going to be some audio issues with it? Is it a? <laughs> you guys are all really mean. Still, we're still waiting. Right there. there it is. It, all right. There it is. And what a difference it is today. I wish you would expand on what it was in 2014. I just want to point out that you're showing way too fast. I just want to point, point something out to our Reds fans. I've been a part of this organization since I got drafted in 2014. And wow, what a difference it is today. I can't thank our front office enough for investing in the development side and being on the forefront of not only... Technology. Oh god, this is a really long thread, huh? It's a long yeah. thread, yeah. We don't have to read the whole Techno thing. I'll, re I'll, I'll retweet it if anybody wants to check it out on our page. Basically, he's saying that uh, the Reds have invested in some in some uh, outside-the-box technology kind of stuff. I, want, I, I, I just want to put some things in perspective for everybody. Um, he mentioned it's changed a lot since 2014, so I just wanted to give you all a few names of some players um, on the 2014 Cincinnati Reds, like Carlos Contreras, Jumbo <laughs> Diaz. Whoa, uh, you may Jumbo. know David Holmberg. That was the Brian Pena backup catcher, great backup <laughs> catcher. Jack Hanrahan, who's a great player. Ramon Santiago, Skip Schumacher. Yo, Skip. Just to name a few. There, there's good players, too. I just skipped over them. Was that the year that we got the uh, the outfielder from the Cardinals who played like – Jim Edmonds? Yeah. We don't talk about Jim Edmonds here. <laughs> Ryan Ludwig was on the team. Oh, there's another Cardinal. Oh, man. Who was, who was right. Skipper back then? 2012? 2014. 14. Uh, that would have been uh, uh, Baker. Baker. I thought it was, but I, I wasn't sure. Was Corey Patterson here in 2014? No. Sorry, Evan. I know it's not the most exciting. Um, hey, li li listen, we're fans of a team that's not all that glamorous and exciting. What do you expect us to talk about? I mean, we're not handing out, you know, forty million dollar contracts for Cy Young award winners. <laughs> I still. Well, we are not only not handing out forty million dollar contracts; we're just getting rid of all of the Rysel Glaciuses of the you think, world. You think, it's like they went into the into the locker room. And they're like, "Hey, do you have a contract? You do. <laughs> well, well, we've got we've gotten rid of it, so." <laughs> The only person that we can afford to pay right now is Joey Votto. Everyone else is getting... We're paying everyone else in GameStop stock and Dogecoin. So... 
Do you accept Bitcoin? I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, who, who is that NFL guy that just signed the uh, contract with Bitcoin in it? And the Bitcoin person portion of his uh, contract is worth more now than the uh, the his entirety of the contract he was going to get. I forget who it was. Doesn't make it any. So moving on to the bullpen. Uh, a lot of people say that this is potentially a sneaky strong spot for the Reds going into this season, which last season it was it was not that. It was not that at all last last season. Yeah, they got better. I'm saying, I mean, going into the season, though, you didn't say this is a strong spot. Or maybe you did, and then it got into the actual season, and you're like, oh, this is not a strong spot. And then it got better, sure, because Lorenzen finally got better. Let's start off the bullpen discussion with the fact that Sal Romano is still on the Cincinnati Reds 40-man roster. (laughs) But So I think this bullpen has some solid pieces. I'm extremely high on Lucas Sims. Um, In terms of a closer, I know we kind of touched on that in the intro, but the closer situation, um, I don't think – Baseball, I, I think they're moving away from one person being a closer and more of a closer by committee. Um, Amir Garrett. Somebody. Right, exactly. Um, Amir Garrett and, Lu- and Lucas Sims will be pitching at the end of games, let's just call it. Um, we don't really know what's going to happen with Lorenzen and Antone. If they're in this you know, rotation, that's going to leave a lot of room for these kind of what I – I'm going to use kind of a NFL draft term, Jags, which means just a guy, which is just kind of you can just label to anybody you're, you know, uh, Sal Romano's a Jag. He's, yeah, just a guy to put in there. Those type of guys, there's a lot of them on the non-roster, too, that are coming in. Um, But the bullpen could be pretty solid. You don't have to squint too hard to see a couple of players that actually um, were pretty, pretty decent pitchers. Um, and if you have a, a Ryan Hendricks breakout or somebody else, you know, one of these other younger guys who could have a, a breakout year like a TJ Anton did and kind of come out of nowhere, you have just one of those guys and a couple of, of these other veterans perform well. I mean, you're looking at a pretty decent bullpen. So, all right, Jeff, here's your time to shine. Catch your talk. Catcher talk. Catcher talk. I, I mean, I I like Tucker Barnhart behind the plate as a defensive catcher. I also like Tyler Stevenson being able to bat. So maybe we can squeeze them into one person and and have that happen. Uh, but like, like Clay said, I mean, Tyler being able to learn from from Tucker as far as like behind the dish, um, he he's got the tools. I mean, he's got the arm. We we've seen that uh, he can he can hit the ball at out of the park he, uh, he he just needs to get polished um he needs more opportunity and i think that you know this year they've kind of cleared out the uh the catching room and so now you've got you're gonna have barnhart probably start the season and then tyler come in uh and fill in some slots i mean the the third catcher that they have on the depth chart is kyle farmer who who may very well be the starting shortstop so, I mean, <laughs> what team even says that? That's bananas. 
That sounds like a little league or like beer league. Like, yeah, Jeff's going to, you know, Jeff owns catcher equipment. So if all else fails, he'll use it. That, 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 it's like, you know, I mean, you've got a, you've got a, a guy that you're looking at that's probably going to be your starting shortstop when the, the season opens up is your third catcher. Um, so uh, ho hopefully Tyler Stevenson gets, gets some looks. I, I really do like Tucker Barnhart. Um, I know that he's not going to hit, you know, 350 and, uh, and do everything else that he does, but I, I think it's, overlooked how invaluable he is behind behind the plate um absolutely i also think that people especially fans more common fans really do underestimate the clubhouse you know um you have to have good players in the clubhouse and tucker's a great clubhouse guy buy-in team first type guy and it's important to have those players 162 games is a long time to deal with someone who's just an asshole so having good players, I mean, Jason LaRue was an asshole. And having good players in the locker room helps out the team in the long run, too. And I, I think Tucker does enough offensively to, you know, earn his contract. And he does a lot on defense. And he's really going to help Stevenson, um, you know, develop into a plus player. I mean, Tucker Barnhart is a gold glover, for God's sakes. Like, Two-time gold glover. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, people, people really don't give him his due, um, and, and I, I think it's a shame. But we also can't move him because apparently we were shopping him, and no one, no one wanted to buy. He costs four million dollars. No one can afford that in this economy. Why yeah. would you get rid of him though? He's a, he, he's a great catcher. Because you have the heir apparent already. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket on the Tyler Stevenson. And if he okay. gets injured, this organization, okay, I was, I always think the Reds lack catcher depth. They always have this, you know, I don't need the Stuart Turners. It's not just, you know, play. playing, no. but they, they did. If you have this non roster invitee I was looking at today, he plays catcher, apparently. His name's Rocky Gale. No. And he is um, on the Reds non-roster invitee, and he is 33 years old and has 37 at-bats and hit 108 in his career. That is the depth that we're working with. What about the well, guy who came in and hit four bombs? Hey. Ryan LaVarnway. Yeah, that guy. We could go, we could go get, pick him up off the uh, who knows oh, where. He's, he's probably the, the independent league somewhere. He's, he has a contract right now. The Reds, the Reds have four catchers listed on their depth chart. You've got Tucker Barnhart, Tyler Stevenson, Kyle Farmer, and I, I bet you can't name the fourth. Debbie Gold. Ah, you, you, you've got it pulled up in front of you. No, I actually. Okay, so it's a funny story. I like that guy mostly because I got him one year on the on the show and was like, "Who's this guy?" And he like blew up. So I'm kind of like following him, um, but he's really not that great. He Debbie can't hit young. worth a damn, but he's young. He's, he's 5'11", 240 pounds, so nothing's getting past him. He he was born in 96, so he is 24. young. And he wears number 82. So I almost hope that for some reason he gets pressed into, into service so that I can find a Debbie Grion 
jersey. If I buy a fifty dollar jersey grab bag this year, I will end up with that jersey more than likely. I hope it's dirty too. Oh, I like that Kyle. I like that Kyle Farmer is listed as the third catcher, uh, the second second baseman, the second third baseman, <laughs> the second shortstop. Isn't that what It is, but I just like that he's at the, almost the top of, of like every knife. position. Like, come on. A Swiss Army knife. A Swiss Army knife. And that, that, that's why they needed to go get a real shortstop so that he could continue to be a utility guy and fill in when we need it. So as we continue on, um, let's talk about the infield as a whole. Because behind Joey Votto... You got what, Moose at first? Scott Heineman. Okay. I don't know why they have him listed as a first baseman. He's an outfielder, but I guess they're going to work him there. But Moustakis will play first. I think Moustakis will play a lot of first base this year, actually. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think Vado could get, you know, he's, I mean, we saw him get benched once last year. I don't think he'll be bad or anything, but. More off days is maybe a good thing for Joey Votto. Maybe he's a better overall player if he has a few more off days. Moustakas isn't, you know, lighting the world up as a second baseman. and That's where he's going to eventually slot in and maybe take over for Votto. And then Moustakas will be the old first baseman that everyone dislikes. Um, well, if, but yeah. playing, if, if, if Moose is at first, who's playing second? Uh, D. Strange Kyle, Gordon, Kyle Farmer, <laughs> Kyle Farmer can be the answer to any question. So, are we just gonna run four outfielders like softball league and and three infielders? Might as well. Um, you know the Blandino people out there, maybe, maybe he'll play. I just don't know why he doesn't get opportunities. I just I don't think he's any good, but he's still on the roster somehow, and they had every chance to get rid. You know, they could have cut ties, but. Here's Alex Blandino on the 40-man roster for some reason, giving fans hope. That's it. So then, at, at shortstop, we, we've discussed it at, at length, I think, at this point. I think, I think we've covered short, and I think we all know what third base is. The depth at third base, Moustakas, and probably the first guy up is Jonathan India, um, on some list, a top 100 prospect, former number five overall pick a few years back from Florida, and a guy that I don't think is anywhere near worthy of the number five overall pick. Um, but here he is, and he's apparently was much better last year. Now, of course, we didn't see any minor league baseball last year. He's, I'm pretty sure, 24 years old. So he's at that age now. It's time. You know, it's. He, you don't want to be the 25, 26 year old in the getting stuck in AAA. So, you're saying so there's a very good chance that he could get called up, and maybe he's working on a different position. Um, he's played some second, maybe outfield is what a lot of people think he could project to. Um, but Jonathan Indias, well, I would imagine he would get called up the, this year if he's playing well or not used in a trade. So essentially, you're saying it's time to shit or get off the pot with Jonathan India. That's exactly what I'm saying, especially because Jared Jared K K uh, Kellenick was drafted right after him, who's like one of the top prospects in all of baseball for the yeah. uh, Mariners. So. Kyler Murray was also drafted like uh, two or three spots after him, so he's so, having a pretty good career. I did want to yeah. talk, 
I did want to talk a little bit about Suarez, though. Last year was maybe the worst that we've seen Suarez since he's been up here. Um, that said, he's coming to camp. He, he's got his hair um, doing a little bit different. It's, it's, it's back to normal color, um, although there is a slice that goes from his eyebrow through his, his, his part line. Um, but outside of that, they said that he is coming in a, a, a bit more svelte than he has been. Um, he did look so at, actually pretty thin in that picture that they uh, they put out for the uh, arrival of the spring training. Who gives a shit about his stats? As long as we have a breakdown of his hair, that's all we really need. Well, you know who's backing him up at third base? <laughs> Kyle Farmer? I wish Christian Cologne. <laughs> Kyle Farmer. <laughs> Kyle Farmer. Did you Does say Kyle Farmer know that he's backing everybody up? <laughs> He probably doesn't. I will. I will say that I like the fact that you said that Scott Heineman is an outfielder, and he's listed below Michael Lorenzen in the outfield chart. <laughs> when this podcast is over, I'm gonna go play the show, and I'm put Kyle Farmer at pitcher. He's pitched before. He struck somebody out, didn't he? Probably. I mean, yes. Put it on his baseball card. Good lord. All right, so that, that that covers, I think, the infield. And then the outfield, where Clay said that there is a glaring hole all the way across. Here's my outfield take. Can, and these are yes or no questions, can we count on Nick Senzel to be the everyday center fielder? No. 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 Okay. Um, do you think Shogo is an everyday center fielder? Yeah. No. Yep. No, I don't think center fielder. But maybe we've had one good month of Shogo. He's had a hand, you know, hardly any time in the major leagues. We really can't say that we know what Shogo is, and he's not exactly young. He's in his thirties. Um, what do we think of Aquino? Do we count on Aquino? Do we have any hope in Aquino? Really? No. No. Un unless there's Mark a miracle. Payton? No. Scott Heineman. Scott Heineman. So really, we have Jesse Winker. Well, who and they don't even play Jesse Winker every day. Right, Je Jesse Winker, who is not a good defensive left God, fielder, so but good. is good offensively. Okay, right field. Cassianos. Right. Kyle what do Farmer. we think of him? I think he might be the bright spot of the outfield. Right, and he had a down year last year, but we all know what he can do. But he's also not a good fielder at all. This outfield isn't by any means, some great outfield or anything. Do the Reds go and sign Yasiel Puig? No. Yes. The wild horse. I'd welcome him back. with a Represented by Luba Sports. The thing I'm most concerned about is depth. <laughs> mostly because, and I know we have four outfielders that are starter caliber, but I just don't know if Sinzel will stay healthy. We're banking on the fact, which I do think Shogo is going to be a really good player this year, but we're banking on, we don't have any proof of that besides one month of like, you know, 20 at-bats. Um, and Aquino, like, I mean, there's times where Aquino was passed up by other players on the death chart last year when everyone thought he needed to get at-bats, and he has not been impressive besides that one month. So really, I mean, let's say, somebody gets injured or someone's slumping, I mean, that depth can disappear pretty quickly. And that's why I like like a Tyler Na Naquin who's brought in as a non-roster guy who's 
you know, at least experienced and has played well. He's a low ceiling, but a pretty high floor as well. I mean, is there anybody else that's like that's left out there on the market that they can go pick up? I mean, like obviously Puig is still out there. The only I mean, other thing I can see happening here is if I don't know about I don't have a list in front of me of people who are still available, but um, what if D Strange Gordon does make the team as the utility guy? He can play left field. Um, and what if I mean Jonathan? What if Jonathan India ends up being an outfielder? Maybe he could provide something there. There's just a lot of what ifs, and it's a little bit uneasy, especially when we saw, you know, like I, I don't know what Mark Payton is. I don't think anyone does. He's 27, 28 years old, and has had no legitimate, you know, sustained success at the MLB level. At that age, it's unlikely that you start having success at the MLB level. That's just, you know, the law of, of averages there. Um, so it's really kind of troubling to me, um, especially because I'm not sold on Nixon's L, even if he is healthy. I mean, God help us if they've got to start using Michael Lorenzian in a platoon in the outfield when you need him. In, the, in your starting rotation, or as a guy in your bullpen. But double yeah. switches, Jeff. Double switches. Jeff, have you heard of a double switch? If they if they start running him out a an outfielder's glove while he's on the mound, I'm I'm done. Like, <laughs> I'm not big on David Bell anyway, so like we could get rid of him for all I care. That was a mistake. We're not going to go down the David Bell path, are we? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm about having, to I'm because having, I'm still upset about it. I'm not having that discussion. Listen, TJ Antone said people are, are begging to come to Cincinnati, and I'm riding that horse right now. That's what he said. Doug Gray tweeted it. Riding that horse. So I, I just I guess the only question I have for you as we're still talking about the outfield, though, Clay, is you, you were saying that the outfield was a – bright spot for this team a dark horse for this team i don't i mean bright and dark at the same time that's fine but you know and then you, you say it's unsettling so no i said that i i don't trust the here. depth of the outfield okay so you like the the starters i like shogo but i'm banking on what i think he can be he hasn't shown me enough that i'm willing to say that shogo should be the everyday center fielder against righties or anything like that in the down years uh, or the, the, the down year from Castellanos last year was just something that's, you know, he's not always been a phenomenal player. He really hasn't. He's had plenty of down years. He's had plenty of amazing years too. Um, but the way he was swinging at some of those pitches outside of the zone, like that's the type of stuff that's, I mean, that that's to me, it's kind of like, mentally you're not there you know what i mean you're not focused if you're swinging at pitches like he was last year so the the outfield has jesse winker who i'm really impressed with shogo who i am high on castellanos who has been really good but also been really bad so i just really i'm not ready to say he's i don't even think he's the best out, outfielder i think jeff may have said that he thinks he is um and then the depth, I'm just, you know, Aquino, I'm out on Aquino. And Mark Payton, I mean, it's just not looking likely. And Scott Heineman is Scott Heineman. I mean, it does appear that Matt Kemp is still available for the outfield. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. 
So then what are your expectations? I know uh, it was the ESPN that put out that we were going to be fourth, finishing fourth in the division. Are you thinking that we're going to finish fourth also? I I don't think so because, like I said earlier, I think a lot of players had a down year last year. I think a lot of them are going to be healthy this year after a full off season. Um, I think Suarez will be better than he was last year. I think Mustakis will be better than he was last year. I think that Senzel will at least be healthier. I mean, he really only played twenty something games or. I mean, he hardly played last year, so at least healthier than, you know, playing in more than half the games. Um, and C- Castellano should be, in my opinion, at least slightly better um, in just terms of not chasing pitches, maybe hitting for a little bit of a higher average. Those things alone, I think, make this team better than a fourth-place team in this division. I also think that, and I know it sounds crazy, but losing Trevor Bauer may not be as large of a hole to fill when you're collectively filling it with several arms. Instead of trying to replace Trevor Bauer with one pitcher, you strengthen the entire rotation, especially the back end of the rotation and the depth. So when those players get injured, you have a player coming in and the collective hole is, is greater than, you know, trying to just Bill Bauer, you know, you have all these other pitchers. I think the starting pitching is going to be fine. I think the bullpen has enough guys that have shown at least promise that you only really need a couple of them to stick. They have, we've gone over eight or nine names that have at least had success at the MLB level. You just have a couple of those sticks. Sims, Garrett, as two for sure bullpen guys that I think are just awesome. Um, the Antones and Lorenzen's, wherever they fit in, uh, will be a trickle down effect. And those other players that are either they are replacing will step into the bullpen or vice versa. And I think the team, I think that the Cardinals are always difficult to beat, and they have a great organization. Um, I'm I don't think we're better than the Cardinals. I think that we'll we'll have a better season than the Cubs. I think we'll be better than the Pirates. What do you all think? But maybe better than the Pirates. What about Put a the win Brewers? total on it, Clay? No. <laughs> what about the Brewers? That's a team that I think is going to be. Oh man, they're like. I think they're kind of there with us right now, but I'm usually not very optimistic about the Reds. Um, but I think I, I I could see a second place finish. Right. Now, 114 now, wins, Jeff. Get out. And a second place finish. <laughs> all right, all right, Christian Cologne MVP. Listen, did they? A, a, did they? Did they vote for the expanded playoffs again? I couldn't. I didn't remember if they did that or not. Um, it is expanded. I thought, isn't it? Is it expanded again? I think the playoffs were expanded, but they didn't do the DH rule. Yeah, I think that's right. right. I'm pretty sure it's expanded. Reds make the playoffs. Will they? Yes. They will. What? With the expanded playoffs, the Reds will make the playoffs again. I'm telling you right now. 
I don't know without making some major moves. Without a without a shortstop better than Kyle Farmer, I don't think we make the playoffs. Yeah, and John Brennan's going to sign a sign a uh, commitment this week too. Eighty-eight wins. We'll get in the playoffs. Watch it. Eighty-eight. We'll go ahead don't and make that face, team. Clay. I like to be optimistic. Well, I just had one hundred and fourteen, didn't I? Yeah, you did say one hundred and fourteen. You lied. <laughs> They're not going to win 114 games. Fact. So the one thing I wanted to close uh, kind of the actual on-field talk with, biggest addition in the offseason is maybe a shortstop <laughs> that nobody's talking about. And uh, the Reds bring Barry Larkin into the booth. And we're not going to see Danny Graves. You're not going to see. Uh, Which is an absolute shame i actually feel worse for jeff pecoro yeah he's yeah why is no one talking about jeff pecoro he's just been quietly putting in years and years and years years and now it's just like oh yeah by the way jeff pecoro's coming back he's like wait up what and and he's a nice guy he he's um like a he lives in the same neighborhood my brother-in-law does and like my brother he's such a nice guy he's always out like talking to him but he i mean he did a great job too and, uh, I would I have guess... rather they kept Jeff Pecora over Jim Day. No. Yeah. Oh. To Never. quote Kevin Johnson, a hundred percent. I think that Barry Larkin. I love Barry Larkin, and growing up, he was kind of like the player that you know I was attached to growing up, and so I have a special place for him. But now, when he was on ESPN, and he was doing his, you know time that he did with ESPN, he wasn't that great. He was kind of bad, actually. Um, just kind of like he had some weird takes about like bunts. Like he was all big bunt guy. And but, I'm I mean, not yeah, big think about bunt the, guy. I mean, like the time the time he came up though, like when he yeah. was you know what he I mean? Like bunting. that was like Yeah, I'm not saying he's gonna be bad. Like, I'm just saying I was I, I'm really glad that he's in the TV booth. I wonder I kind of thought that he was trying to be fast tracked into a coaching role like a ma- you know to be manager and I thought he was trying to kind of push that for the future and Well wasn't he coaching or managing somewhere in the Yeah, world? he was coaching and then out of nowhere like the TV thing is just obviously I thought that like he was gung ho I'm going to be a manager one day. That's just what I thought. And then out of nowhere, he's TV guy. So that that was a little obscure to me, but I, I'm excited bills, for it. He's paying bills. I really like um, the new play-by-play guy. How do you say Sadak? his last name? Sadak or yes, yeah, that guy. Yeah, I like I've watched, it. I've watched some clips of him calling other other sports and other like things, and I think he's gonna. Be, and he seems to be like a hundred percent all in, which yeah. are. Our, our last TV guy wasn't always a hundred percent in on the like. As there's a fly ball to left field. Uh, uh, Jeff, right, exactly. Jeff with Locked On Reds, who does the podcast, did a podcast with the new play-by-play guy, and that guy's just awesome. He's just genuine. He's like, he just seems like the a, a guy who cares and cares about not only ba- or not not only the Reds, but just baseball as a whole. It, I'm just excited to have someone who wants to be there and someone who wants to talk about the Reds. And I don't want to get into Tom. Um, With an but, 
it's going to be an upgrade from Tom for sure. I look forward to it. Does he know that Kyle Schwarber is from Middletown? That's a great question. He's in Washington now, so we only have to hear it like twice a year. Well, I mean, hopefully we don't have to hear it at all. <laughs> if, if I'm being we honest. Are, we already know. Everyone yes, knows. I, the, to, to Clay's point, uh, the new play-by-play guy is uh, – I, I do like what he brings to the table, at least what I've seen and, and listened to from some of his other calls coming up. And he does seem to be like, you know – hundred percent in. Um, I, I also want to get talk. Uh, Doolittle ha- has a good presence on Twitter. Uh, he also seems to be a guy that is like a big team guy and locker is locker like, room guy. Yeah, he's a good great. locker room guy. Like he he seems like he's like full full bore into the whole Reds thing. I mean, like people call them out on the they when they showed like there were some pictures or whatever of. Uh, Guy showed up to spring training and he still had his uh, Washington bag and somebody like tweeted at him about it, like, yo, get that guy a new bag. And he was like, don't worry about it. We had like a going away party for that bag. We uh, folded it up and got rid of it. And then they gave me a new Reds bag. So like, and he's a Star Wars guy. So uh, I'm big on that. Jeff, I never knew that you're a big Star Wars guy until like re- recently I saw you like post some stuff on Twitter and you would hate to know that I literally could not name the last Jedi is all I know about Star Wars. That's literally it. I've seen like three movies. I'm not going to tell you what I think about them, but I mean, it depends on which ones you've seen. It's also like, you know, look, here's the deal. Clay is this is the last time that I will be podcasting from, from this, this room here, because starting on Monday, this entire basement's getting torn up and, uh, and redone. But there's going to be a gigantic TV out here whenever it's done. And we're going to do a Star Wars marathon, Clay. And you can come over and watch all of them. Hey, I would love to. Um, as long as I don't actually have to just like sit down and watch like several in a row. Well, I'll there, come watch there, there one. There will also maybe. be a bar. There, actually, right where I'm sitting now is where my bar is going to be. So, you know, if you got to sit there, like you're all good. Unbelievable. He has a drink, man. Come on. Hey, that, 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 that doesn't mean that I don't like, you know, coming you over. Sit, and, you can still sit at the bar. There'll be make other sure beverages. Hot dogs and all the fixings. Hey, I'll there bring be, my, uh, my, my oh, Sam Green out here. That's good. There'll be, there will be also hot dogs and all the fixings. Oh, I love that. Some La Rosa's and cheese conies. Get or yourself what? A, a nice little Sky Rosa. I, um... Uh, <sighs> I, I hope I don't derail the conversation here too much, but I saw something on Twitter that I wanted to get your all's uh, input on. It was a tweet about what's like the most exciting thing you've ever seen at a baseball game that was going around a couple weeks ago. And mine was a Deanna Navarro AAA Louisville Bats walk-off Grand Slam, um, which I think is electric because Deanna Navarro is obviously just a forgotten red. But I wanted right. to hear what your all's kind of coolest moment at the ballpark reds related or not reds related if it's worth a damn mine okay. was uh mine was the ramon the ramon uh hernandez. ortiz no ramon hernandez wasn't that his name the the, the catcher the walk hit, uh, off home run on opening day yep yeah okay so i was there for that which was also cool but 
I, I will go to my grave with this uh, currently because it doesn't look like there's going to be anything more exciting. Uh, but I was there for Todd Frazier's uh, home run derby victory. And it was like, I so I retweet the clip because I filmed it on my, like, you know, iPhone 5 or whatever it was. And Ed does and, not know what an iPhone is. He has, know, it's awful. Ed's always, Ed's the cause for the green bubble. But, uh, no, like, Ed I was has a Blackberry. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was at the game with my wife. Um, and I know we've talked about, we might've talked about this on the very first uh, round table that we did, but I was at that game with my wife. Like, uh, we, we have, we kept our season ticket or, uh, we had like a 20 some game package that we kept through that season, knowing that they gave us uh, the opportunity to buy all-star game tickets. And, uh, so we, we bought the tickets to everything for that. And like the all-star game itself, like it was kind of neat to be at whatever, like it was. It's hard to follow in the stands. Like it's hard to follow on TV most of the time. Um, but the uh, the home run derby with with uh, Todd Frazier, who I guess just signed with the Pirates, so it's a good thing, I guess. Wait, I didn't run. see that. Yeah, yeah, he was he was tweeting about it that he he was you know. I saw that. I don't even know what what is their hashtag like. Washed up. Wa- fly the L or something. Oh. Win thirty know. games. It's like fly the L. I don't know, but. Under a million dollars. I, I still, lo- I, 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 still love him. And uh, you know, who's the who's the kid that he always hooks up with here? Is it Kramer? Something Kramer? The uh, I believe he's. I think he has Down syndrome. The, the kid that he's always like. Yeah, Teddy. So hopefully, whenever the you know the pirates come here, like he'll you know get a hook up with him or whatever. But cool. But. Yeah, that. Yeah. Tommy is it Tommy? No, it's not Tommy. It's Teddy. Yeah, I think it's Teddy, Teddy Kramer. Teddy, Teddy Kramer. Kramer. Yeah, Aaron, how how about you? What's your uh, best ballpark moment? I told you the the walk off. Oh, sorry, sorry, Ed. Um, it's a good question. Uh, one time I saw Matt Latos's wife at the ballpark. That was pretty cool. We're not going over that story again. <laughs> Jesus, Ed. Hey, I know you've been there for something cool. Just, just replaying the hits. Uh, one time, and, and uh, was there for Scott Feldman's first game as a Cincinnati Red. The possibility. Scott um, Hattenberg. Scott Hattenberg is a pretty good player. Um, one time, I did get to see uh, them army crawl the ball to home plate for the first pitch. That was pretty cool. <laughs> and do you, do you legitimately not, like, when you see something awesome that happens at, at the ballpark, do you not, like, file it away, like, Man, that was a great experience, and I'll remember it forever. I got ADHD, so <laughs> sometimes I forget about these moments. Yeah, yeah, you got something. Later tonight, <laughs> later tonight when I'm editing this episode, I'm going to remember a bunch of them. And then we're going to get, like, my, my, my Twitter DMs are going to fill up. It's probably going to happen. I, that was a great, it was a great question, Clay. I was at okay. opening day. I don't remember what year it was. Um... I don't even remember who who pitched, um, but we won a walk off home run. Good Ed. <laughs> I got the, four five uh, seconds. The, the, you remember? He remembers the treats. What? I think I did. What? What? Why? 
Here, here's a better question, Ed. Why is Clay your arch nemesis? <laughs> He's not. I don't know why Clay hates me. He's, it's, it's weird. It really is weird. No comment. Okay, all right. <laughs> I don't hate Ed. Did, did you go to UK? So. Yeah, I did. Just arch enemies. I love it. He's a Calipari kid. Ed's just easy to pick on. No, I'm not. I know. <laughs> I know. Whatever. I love how he can remember what he ate, but couldn't remember who pitched who hit the home I run. I don't know <laughs> what the really score had, was. I don't know that I really had funnel fries that game, but I thought I'd throw it in there. That's a possibility. Oh, I've been in the I've been in a suite at the game before. That's pretty cool. Twice. All right. And they gave us like a bunch of uh, hot dogs and brought some Mets to bring home. And uh, one of my managers, get... I was in the back seat of the car, and uh, he yelled at me, asked me to roll down the window so he could throw a brat at a car that was going past us on the highway. That was pretty cool. Did you get all the pocket? Did you get all the fixins for those? No. no. not worth it. I think to bring home ribs. That was good. All right. Well, that was that was quite an episode, gentlemen. Between the audio audio issues. No audio issues. No, not at all. Ed's heater. Only on the YouTube side. Come on. Just magnificent. I can't believe that we get to do this for fun. It is for free. pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. So with that said, we hope for a good season this year. I think we're all cautiously optimistic, except for Jeff, who doesn't get excited about anything, really. He's 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 jaded. He is typical jaded Cincinnati fan. Um, but, but Clay, we we do thank you for your time as always, sir. Absolutely. You, you you all know I love coming on. So anytime you need me to come on, I'd be happy to. We do know that. But for Ed, for Jeff, for Clay, I'm Aaron. This is Pardon the Punctuation, and we're out. I don't have any sound effects. Yeah. Ba-dum-bum. Bam.